Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and today my guest is a dear and close friend of mine who is a Liverpool supporter, but he says he is ready to surprise me and discuss the plethora of clubs he supports. Please welcome to the show, DJ and editor, Frankie Maloney. Frankie, welcome, my friend. How's it going, Sal? Good, man. Uh, so happy you're doing this. I know you just came back from, uh, you know, managing managing a group of young little girls kicking around, uh, kicking around the ball, helping out the new generation. So we're going to get to that later on. But uh, really appreciate this. You are the final guest of the season and saving the best for last. Really excited by it. We got a bunch to unpack. We've been close friends for a few years now. And Wimbledon and Liverpool are the two clubs that I always knew you support. So how did the fandom of those two teams come about? Well, Liverpool um, were just, Liverpool are my big team, like, you know, without a doubt. They're miles, head and shoulders, like my obsession. I grew up in a big, in a big Liverpool supporting house. My dad and my mum are big Liverpool fans. My older brother was a Liverpool fan. My dad and my mum are both Irish and in the 80s and around that time, all the Irish in England, you know, they supported Man United or Liverpool, and that was pretty much it. Like you get a plethora of like Leeds, Arsenal fans. But if you go to Ireland, even like back then, probably even now, almost everyone is like Man United, Liverpool. They all everyone supports Celtic, and then everyone either supports Man United or Liverpool, pretty much. So it was a big Liverpool house. We I don't remember not supporting them, you know. I that was like before I was even obsessed with football. I was a Liverpool fan, you know, it was just like, wow. it was just the normal thing that was, that was there. And then like becoming obsessed by, like by virtue came later to actually being, you know, being the supporter. Wow. So, you know, you grew up in England at a time when there was obviously the troubles happening in Ireland and you said your parents are Irish. Is there some sort of like connection then between Liverpool as a city and Ireland as a country that people would go and become fans of them? I know it's a it's it's a port city. Uh, Manchester United, you said, was another team that the Irish would support as well. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. And I don't. I, you know, I'm I'm not 100 percent on that. I'm I'm get there. Was there is obviously a big Irish population in Manchester and in Liverpool. There also is in London as well. Everywhere, right? Anyway. I think, I don't know if it's that or if just those teams had Irish players on it that mm. drew them as well. I don't know, or if it's a mixture of both. Um, we were obviously, I grew up out like on a town called Epsom on the outskirts of London. So I by no means really should have been a Liverpool fan. But if you know anything about that sort of area of England, it's notorious in Surrey for having like all the, you know, the Southern Man United, Liverpool fans, you know, with it's a weird place. It's a weird place. There's not, there's not really a local. Most people say, why don't you support your local team? And it's not a place that really has a local team. There are more local teams like Wimbledon, who I love, and Palaces, Crystal Palace were nearby. Or oh, and all the London teams are all, all near. But no. you sort of, I don't know, as a kid, they even they weren't that accessible. It was like it's almost like I, I wasn't, I didn't grow up in a household where we were going to games a lot. And honestly, like going to see Chelsea, going to Stamford Bridge felt as far away to me as 
Anfield. Wow. Even though I was, even though we were the town, as a town, we were only 15 miles away um, from, from the centre of London. My parents didn't drive. We weren't, they weren't very adventurous. They were sort of very sort of local, local mm. sort of people in the, the community. So like going to games was like, I remember my first game I went to was a big deal. It seemed like a massive, massive thing. Unlike, you know, I had friends that were Palace supporters that would go a lot, friends that were Wimbledon supporters that would go every week. You know, it's just, it, if, if I had been a, a big Wimbledon fan or a big Palace fan, I would have felt like, I wouldn't have felt like they were my local team either. Because you go along and then you're in a, in a, in Wimbledon or Sellhurst and, or like, you know, and pick any London team and you're surrounded by people that actually live there as well. And you're like, well, I don't live there. It's, it felt like as, as phony saying they were my local team as, as saying Liverpool were, you know, as... It's a strange thing. It's a strange sort of nowhere place that I'm from in a funny way. That is interesting because, you know, you don't really think about that because, you know, when I interviewed our friend uh, Travis Clifton previously in the season, who owns Mod Cup, who sponsors the uh, sponsors this podcast, you know, Travis had a thousand teams around him. And now the naivety of like growing up in the States, and just even trying to follow Italian soccer, which I've chronicled on this podcast, you know, as a kid trying to watch it, the naivety was that there's a thousand, if there's a thousand teams in the Midlands and there's a thousand teams in London and there's, you know, two big teams in Liverpool, there's got to be like a thousand or hundred teams. And I'm obviously speaking hyperbolically, but like, there's got to be like hundreds of teams in every single town, every province, every this, every that. Yeah. Um, and it's funny to hear that that's actually not the case. And I'm learning more and more as I do this podcast, the things that I thought I knew about British football in the nineties and eighties about that. It was accessible to everybody. And this like, everybody's watching it 24 seven, kind of like the way it is now. It's actually not the case. No, so- no. I, it, it wasn't eighties. Co- definitely. It wasn't common for it to be on telly a lot. The FA Cup would be on, like the league. You might get a league game on. God, I remember, like sometimes they'd have a league game, and it'd been such a like, wow, there's a league game on telly on Sunday. But really, the FA Cup. That's why the FA Cup was probably became so huge because it was something you could all watch on telly. Was the the what was the Premier League wasn't on every week. It wasn't until Sky picked it up that that was like a weekly event. That, wow. That, like early, like what? When did the Premier start? 92. 92, yeah. 92 was when it's, you started having a game on telly every week. And even then you had to have Sky, which was cable. And like most people, like most people didn't have it. And um, we didn't have it. So it wasn't like even even when it came on, it wasn't like, oh great, we can watch we can watch the football every week. Um we didn't have we didn't have Sky for another few years after that. Wow. All right. So now Liverpool obviously is your is your heart and soul, it's your big team. And obviously you, you talk about the Familiar connection, which is also kind of like the Irish connection there. But Wimbledon, too, is another team that you love and you said you love, even though they're not local. So, like, how did that, out of all the teams that are near you, you know, Chelsea is 15 miles, as you said. They were the most most local team, and I ended up going to see them a a fair bit. Um, And so I always had a thought. I wouldn't say I supported them. Like I have a soft, I always had a soft spot for him and kind of, it was my dad's mate, Aiden, 
um, he was a London cabbie and he was like great mates and would play golf with my dad. He was a huge, huge, huge Wimbledon fan and he would like have get tickets for us and he'd be like, oh, come along. So I would end up going, end up going quite a few games and that was nice. and one of the t- teams I picked up along my, my sort of football fandom that I just, I still love them and I still keep an eye out for them. And I saw them. I remember. Them. Yeah, because like how I knew you fell in love with them was, so Frankie and I used to work together. Um, and I remember walking past your desk and you had a match on and it looked like nobody was there. And I honestly thought you were watching like a high school match. I, I honest to God, I was like, what are you, what, who's on today? And you're like, oh, it's Wimbledon. And you were explaining to me and I was like, wow, you were that like hardcore of a fan that, you know, you're finding the stream somewhere, pick cherry picking it, picking it up, watching it. And I remember just watching the game with you and it was, this was a couple of years ago and it was, you know, obviously it was fun, but the only thing I ever knew about that team was Vinnie Jones. So did yeah. you ever get to see bullet tooth Tony himself play? I saw, I saw Vinnie Jones a good few times. I saw him sent off a few times. You know, um, I saw uh, thinking of Vinnie Jones, but I saw him playing for Chelsea a good few times. They were brilliant. They, you know, they were the crazy gang and they played this, this terrible, alleged, like, way of playing long balls down the pitch and they were the hard team and they were just you know they were good they were good fun and it was fun going to see them they were probably they weren't my first experience of going to games but the first but I, I, I saw them a bunch and, and you know you could get on the train and go and see them love it love it so now on to these other clubs because you dropped me an email this week and you were like <laughs> I just don't want to talk about Liverpool and I, I know you want me to talk about Wimbledon Sal but there are other teams so who are these other teams and how did that come about? Everywhere I've, everywhere I've lived and everywhere I've moved, I've always like, you know, who who are the local team that I can go and watch? And I went to college down in Exeter and, you know, they were, they were, they were a team that played right in the city centre and you'd walk past their ground. And wow. they, were, they were low in the league. And so they're one team I've got, right, on my, my league of teams I love. Then moving back to London... I started going to watch a team called Tooting and Mitcham, who play probably in like the seventh or eighth tier. <laughs> wow. Okay. We would go like, we would go like, me and friends would live there. We ended up going there once and going to see the game. And I'm not joking. We went to get a drink in the bar there afterwards and realized we were there and it was the team's Christmas party. <laughs> we were there with them. And it was like, all right, how are we here? Right. Okay. But, um and then not just like teams that i've lived in it oh sorry and now i i live here in new jersey and just up the road the new york red bulls b team play about five minutes up the road so they're my new local team that i support that I, I'm going to see. <laughs> I love it that it's not even the main squad not even the main it, team. yeah it, uh, love it second string <laughs> i mean you know but it, you never know who like that's the thing is that when when you get the second string team Barcelona B, if you will, or, you know, Italy, they have, you know, the major teams of what's called the Primavera, you know, the younger team, but you never know who's actually going to be a, one of these kids could be a star one day. Yeah. You saw them for like $3. One of them went up to the main Red Bulls team and there was a big, there was a big, they're all happy about that, you know? Um, uh, And then not just like being where where I've lived, I also find myself like I've picked up teams along the way, just with like friends, Mm -hmm. I've had of people I've worked with. So I worked with a guy, Ash, 
and he was a huge, huge Nottingham Forest fan. So I ended up going to a load of Nottingham Forest games with him. Now, I was sort of by proxy, Nottingham Forest or another team, but one of the many teams I have to look out for on a weekend or on a Saturday and see how did they get on. Um, Forest, like I'll say, I'll put it out. Forest, Nottingham Forest, probably my number two team at this point. I've seen them so much. I've been on such a roller coaster with my mate who would just come in. He was just, you know, they were doing so bad. And I felt like I've been been down there with him, sort of like following this terrible team. But they're actually doing great this season. So, you know, fingers crossed they they get promoted to the Premier League this year. All right. We'll be on the lookout for Nottingham Forest. By the time this episode airs, we will know what the state of the table will be. So hopefully, yeah. you know, this is a, hopefully yeah. this is a, you know, a prophecy for them, if you yeah. will. Well, funny enough, funny thing, funny thing about Forrest is, so I've known Ash for about 20 years and this season Forrest and Liverpool played in the FA Cup. And it was the first time since I've known him that Forrest and Liverpool played each other. <laughs> we went 20 years without having that moment where like our teams went up, went head to head. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, you know, you live and work in the New York City area, as you said, but coming from England and spending so much time in Ireland where your folks live now, what was it like coming here when you did and watching this sport grow over time? It was it was amazing. It, 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 was, it was pretty funny the way when I came to America, there was almost more coverage available to watch Premier League games than when I was leaving in England. Because, you know, you had like the game, all the games that were on Sky and all the Champions League games are on, but you have this thing in England where they don't show, they don't broadcast three o'clock kickoff games. Oh, why is that? Um, the theory is, it's just, that was always the traditional kickoff like time every week. The theory is that if you put the Premier League games on telly at three o'clock on a Saturday, people will go and watch those instead of going to see the, the lower league games. So, um, most of the lower leagues still kick off at three o'clock on a Saturday, um, like division one, division two, the championship. So the idea is that if you put those games on it, the, the crowd are going to fall, fall away um, from those lower leagues. Cause people will just want to watch Man United or whoever is on telly. Um, whether that, I don't know how much, ground there's there is in that theory but it's it's kind of it's almost like a on top of that it's almost like a tradition it's like oh we you know that's that's the game for the fans that go rather than the people on watching on the telly but when i came here every single game was on nbc and it's almost like i had like had more option to watch football and i moved here in 20 2012 which i think was the year nbc got the big contract so i moved here right the very first year they had that and they started really pushing the coverage. So it was great. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was about 10 years ago for sure, because there used to be a channel here in the early two thousands, which was just, it was delicious. It was called Fox soccer and you would have the, you know, two or three premier league games a weekend. You'd have two or three city games a weekend. You'd have one or two uh, league one games from France and everyone and then late at night then they would show rugby which was awesome so Mm -hmm. it was just like i would spend my weekends just from six in the morning until i don't know about like eight nine o'clock at night if i had nothing to do like that was channel was just on all the time 
Then things started breaking up, and then there was B in for a little bit, where you would get just uh, the French League, you get yeah. La Liga, you get Serie A, and then of course you know NBC with the big uh, Premier League contract. Now, obviously, Premier League is very big across the United States, but you know we are talking about smaller teams here too. And the internet is wonderful and social media, if it does serve a purpose, it is at least, you know, inform in real time. Do you find it difficult to follow even some of the smaller teams that you like? Or, yeah, I mean, by, and by smaller, I mean, just like not Premier League level yet. I mean, Nottingham Forest is not a tiny team, but it's no, also not Liverpool. I do. I lose track way more than, mm. than I did when I was at home. Like, you know, it's, you know. You, you read you're reading the newspaper like every day at home and so you're catching every reading everything about it whereas if if you're online and you're reading you're reading up on the football you're not digging around things aren't jumping out to you or just coming coming across your eyes by accident so I, yeah you, you totally lose track just not being around the people that support all those teams as well right. so if you're in england right. you, you know people that support all these like smaller teams whereas here it's less common to like have a friend who supports nottingham forest or exeter city or like you know um so you, you, I, I, I totally lose track with you know. That makes the, sense. With 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 the lower leagues, I always look out for the score, but you know it's it's hard. It's harder to consume the media there in in that sense. For sure. What is the atmosphere like at those stadiums? Whether it is Anfield and whether it is, you know, where Wimbledon's grounds are, because you know, for a lot of Americans too, and again, the naivety. Wimbledon is a tennis town. It's not a football right. town. And they don't play in Wimbledon because, well, they didn't for years because they shared a stadium with Crystal Palace because they didn't, they were homeless for piracy in the 90s. Um, And, you know, it was, the atmosphere was always a bit, a bit, it could always be a bit dull there because they'd off, they often didn't, they didn't have a huge like fan base. So they were the games that weren't full. That's why it was so easy to get tickets to go and see them. You know, it was like, you weren't in the big sold out stadium unless you were going to see, you know, Man United come in or Liverpool come in or Chelsea playing there or something. It was they were reliant on like the other team gotcha. filling the stadium um, rather than filling it with their their fans. Right. Even smaller than that, you know, you're going to like Tooting and Mitcham and there's probably a hundred people there. <laughs> you know, so that's a different experience altogether. You know, it's and it's the same up at the Red Bulls here, the Red Bull B team. You're probably looking at about you know 100 people, if that, some days. Depending on what, if it's raining, you might get no one there. Right, right. You know, it is, it is an interesting thing, and I'm happy to see that you know there are folks that just want to still support even just the sport, especially now when it's so easy and the access and the access is everywhere of these bigger clubs. It's almost monopolized it, but the fact that like just pure football and its own can still be supported. And even in the tiniest of circumstances, but, you know, keep supporting Red Bull B team. I like that. I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The trouble with the trouble with it is there's nowhere for them to go, which is like the weird thing about American leagues is it's not like they can win the league and get promoted to, to the MLS, which is like the beauty of small teams in, in, across the rest of the world it's like you can support a team that starts out like Wimbledon with a famous team that started out non-league I think and within from being 1980 
by the end of the 80s, they were in the Premier League, you know, so they went from like the, the fifth or sixth tier and then and, and played and and won and got promoted and promoted and promoted. Like the Red Bull B team, it ain't ever happening for them. Yeah, and that's my biggest gripe with all of this, you know, because again, like you use uh, Wimbledon as an example. Like, you know, when I think about Palermo, uh, Sicilians have like two teams. It's always weird. You have like your major club that you support and then the provincial side. So it's, it's yeah. you know, the major club in my family is Juventus. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, the, the, the provincial, the hometown team is Palermo and that's my maternal side's team. And what, you know, knowing that like in the eighties, they were in the doldrums and coming up then by the time of the 2006 world cup, they're producing players that are scoring goals that are winning for Italy. And then they're in champions league and they're in champions league for quite a few years. And, you know, you have Dybala and Cavani and, uh, Luca Toni and uh, uh, Lavezzi, Pastore in their prime, in his prime rather, major players coming up from this one team. And you saw that happen coming through the ranks. I mean, even Claudio Ranieri played for right. Palermo way back in the day because um, Ranieri is about a thousand years old. So it definitely <laughs> was way back in the day. But it is, but it was like this beautiful thing that, like, oh, cool. Like, you know, you see, and Palermo is very similar to yeah. these other teams where they're relying on Milan and they're relying on Juve and they're relying on Inter. Gates. Yes, to come to that stadium yeah. and pack it out. But, but the beauty is it can happen and they can, it can happen. They, they can make it there. And the, and, and the opposite can happen and the big teams could can look at like Nottingham Forest, who we were talking about earlier, right. one of the giants of the 80s. And then they haven't been in the Premier League for like 20 years. And it makes it was why people hated the idea of the Super League, isn't it? It's because right. there, there was no sort of earned entry into it. You're right. It's the earned idea that you're fighting for something. And it's unfortunate that in America there is no, yeah, you know, regulation system. The idea that you can go and you can support that team. And even if it's a pipe dream that one day they'll be in the top league, it it could still feasibly happen. However, like unlikely it is there is there's that chance. Yeah. yeah, it's a ceiling that I don't know. It sucks. That's the only like major, major, major gripe. I mean, there's a few gripes I have, but that's the biggest one. Um, but you know, you've experienced football differently than most people I know, uh, from where you grew up, from how you grew up. But also one of the coolest things you've done was that you once edited for the Premier League. So what was that experience like? It was absolutely like two of the, I did it for two seasons before I moved, before I moved to America. And it was like the funnest, one of the funnest, stressful, but like brilliant jobs I've ever done. Cause it was like, it literally like, you could, you could not beam with happiness at the idea that you were getting paid to go and watch a football game, essentially. And you'd say that's what it was. And that is exactly what it was. It was like this big, huge sort of um, TV sort of like power plant place outside on the outskirts of London with these giant satellite dishes. And um, you'd go there, I would edit. This is how it worked. So you'd have a room. So there's five games on. There's five editors in there. And each editor is working with a commentator and you're sat at your edit station you're watching the game you're not at the game you're watching the game live and the commentator is there and anytime anything interesting happened 
you'd have to like quickly scramble like a 90 second clip together and the commentator would be oh and we're at Sellers Park and Crystal Palace have just gone ahead or we're at um, Anfield and Liverpool have hit the bar and so you're editing and you're trying to make this thing for the live game happen and into a little little package where it then got beamed out onto people's mobile phones and on the like it wasn't Twitter by that point, but now they, I, I think like they're, those go the goals are pretty instantly up to watch. The aim was that you have to have the the highlight up and live three, I think it was something like six minutes after it happened. So if, wow. if you've got the goal within six minutes, you have to have got the footage, which you're watching and you're you're recording anyway made like done your little cut to make it 30 sec to make it like 90 seconds recorded the vo from the commentator who sat next to you and then push it and then um the magic of television happens and people can people can see these goals almost instantly now you know um, great usually they wanted like two like at least two videos per half per game so right brilliant like if you've got a nil-nil, you're really struggling to like <laughs> make something happen. Like, oh, someone's got like a, a corner and they've almost scored. Let's like, there's only five minutes of the half left. Let's let's do that as a highlight and push it. If you the worst almost is if you've got the best game of like the highest scoring game going on and there's like goal, 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 it's like four all, you're not stopping because you're if you're watching a game that not much is happening, right? You can take it easy, you can watch it. All right, here's a highlight, let's do it. If it's like Goal after goal, chance after chance, red card, whatever. You've got, you've got to make the clip, record it, send it out, and then before you know it, there's another goal straight away. Right, no stopping here. We've got to do another clip, get that sent out, so everyone can. Some people aren't missing the action. Wow. All right. Yeah. So now let's talk about for a hot second. Now, if you were doing that job for what we witnessed yesterday, which was the second half. Manchester City, Atletico Madrid. There's no goals in that half. There's no zero. Goal. Yeah. But there is action. There is fighting. There yeah. is a thousand times they hit Atleti hit the post. Yeah. There is a there's a there's a cameo from Jack Grealish just touching his hand. <laughs> um, there's everything happening but the goals. So what becomes the highlight then? The highlights are the chances. The chances the mere misses the fight like the ruck like you'd have that you're like oh that was like that should have been a yeah, red card any of the controversies they're getting pushed and that that's like that's the highlights um i i remember i i worked there the year city won the league for the first time okay working on some do you remember that last game of the season where they beat QPR yep the last kick of the the game the Guerrero goal and I we got there that day and the commentator I can't remember the commentator's name I was working with he was a City fan and we had got put on like Norwich v Villa I think it was and you're in the room so you can kind of see all the games that are going on and it just got to like the last 20 minutes and it looked like it was going United's way because they they'd beaten West Brom, I think it was, and he was sweating. He was like, "We're not going to do it." Like, and I've got to concentrate on this terrible game that's happening here. I'm, I'm like, do you know what? Like, go and watch the go and watch the City game over there. I've, anything happens here, I'll call you over. Nothing was happening. Nothing's happening. Like, anyone, no one wants to see these clips that are getting sent out anyway because everyone's got their eye on the City game that day. 
And that was the game that they scored the goal on the last kick of the game and won the league. And it was incredible. And by that point, everybody in the in, in the room is just watching that game. You know, it's like, all right, nobody in the country is watching any of the other games. Everyone just wants everyone just wants to know what's happening here. Wow. I mean, so that was a moment. Like, so I, I really remember that that Aguero goal from being there and working on 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 those games that day. It was like it was a great atmosphere to be in, like to, to like be surrounded by these mad football fans that are like producing the content and, and putting it out. It is good to know that it is also fans behind the scenes too. It's yeah. Not oh, just- everyone there was like a massive, well, well, do you know what? No, there were some editors that are just like, and, and sort of like tech, more tech people that are like, well, no, I'm not really into football, but you know, works work. Right. But, uh, but the majority of us there were just giant Norman ginormous fans and i used to hate working on a liverpool game actually i thought it'd be brilliant. really I'll go, go and work on a liverpool game great but i was too like because there's that moment where you're cutting the highlight you kind of aren't able to pay attention to what's going on in the game for that sort of two or three minutes obviously you are because something else might happen then but really you're focused on like making making the video and I used to hate that because I'd be too distracted. It would distract me from making the videos, like just wanting to watch the game. So I'd rather work on something else than have to like, um, have to, con- like it was too hard to concentrate on work when, when they doing the Liverpool ones. I, yeah, I, 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 I guess I can, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, it's, you know, it's an interesting beast seeing how when the veil is lifted, you know, and the behind the scenes yeah. aspect of it all. Um, what is, obviously there are so many plot points and drama points and talking points that in every match, but as you said, like you, when there are games that no one really cares about, but those fans that are watching, does it become so much more difficult to make that exciting or is it the best learning experience? Cause now suddenly you're finding things that you have to make people care. It was tough. If you've got a really dull game, whether it's people watching it or not, it was it was like, all right, it's coming up to nil. No, no goals yet. You're getting up to like 35 minutes and you're like, we haven't had anything yet that we can push. And we kind of need to push something. The, the people behind it were like, well, we need two, we need two videos per half. So the producers were under pressure to be like, if we don't push it, they'll say we're not given them their right sort of amount of attention so you'd be like really I, I'd clutching at straws sometimes to be like right that that shot was nowhere near but you'd put something out and almost like the commentators telling the story it's like well it's another shot wasted and then they'd say not much going on here um right. still nil nil because it's you know that's it's it's almost easier to do that when it is the the larger clubs or the more popular clubs, if you will. Because yeah. it's, if you're watching a nil-nil Arsenal United, well, you could chalk it up. There's, there's someone on the field as a talking point. There's, yeah. a, there's, yeah. there's a billion reasons, and that's the financial part of it, uh, you yeah. know, that'll tell <laughs> you that, that, that what's the issue here. But, yeah, when you're, when you're talking, let's just say, I don't know, Sheffield Wednesday and you know again like leads it's yeah. what 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 can you create from that you create like you just you, you kind of go into one of those games like hoping there's goals <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna hope there's some goals here today otherwise like we might we, we you might you do just you 
you might struggle to put to put content out but you got that you had to meet meet those um meet those demands for sure and it is unfortunate too because like you want to highlight those teams you want to highlight them just as much as you're highlighting you know a city united or chelsea whoever uh so all righty well that i mean it it sounds like the most fun and chaotic work environment one could ever have. Really. It was good. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good. It was like in like nothing much happening for the first hour. You just had to be there an hour before the game, nothing much happening, really intense 90 minutes of just getting all this stuff done. And then a couple of hours afterwards where you're making highlights to send to all the different broadcasters. Gotcha. Like, one of the big myths is that all the broadcasters do their own stuff, but really this place films it. They beam all the stuff in, and then they give it to like oh wow all the different places around the world. Like so, that's how the sausage is made. Then that's how the sausage is made. They're called Perform Media, but they're called something else now. Is it Dazen or Dazen? oh the zone the yeah the yeah. started their own streaming thing, and they had like the contracts for almost every league in the yeah. world. Um, and yeah, they they were the place that beamed it in can't like you give it off to people like to different networks to put their own commentary on it and, and whatnot but um yeah they Crazy. were the, they, they were the sausage makers the football sausage makers all right all right and everyone else is the supermarket then <laughs> uh this past season we got to see our big club square off against each other in champions yeah League. with ac milan and liverpool in the group stages despite poor results from milan liverpool did help i will say they did help push milan beyond our limits, the two exhausted masters, but it felt right seeing those teams play together after such a long period yeah, of time. Man, yeah. D- did you agree on that? I like when you watching the teams in the Champions League, you want to, you want to play those big historic games. It just felt like sexy, didn't it? It was like oh, it's Liverpool and Milan, like, you know, it's the iconic shirts. It's the stadiums. It's watching, watching the fans at those stadiums. Just on paper, it just got you just get you going that day, you know. No Absolutely. Other teams at all, but like they're you know, it's, it's such a big hit, it's such a big event, like to, to see them play each other. And like the they were missed, they've been missed for years, they see them on the Champions League. You know? It's about time, you know, and it looks like we'll probably qualify for next year too. So hopefully this is not the last of us and we yeah. come back a little bit better and bigger. But um, interesting enough. Is, is that Liverpool got to play both Milan teams this yeah. season. Uh, you know, to get both of them in a row, in essence, you know, what was that like for you? Because obviously for me, it's amazing that Milan's back in Champions League. But it was very cool because now I have you, that's a huge hardcore Liverpool fan. We can talk about this. We can banter with each other. And Rosario, who I, you know, you know as well, and I had on last season, huge Inter fan. You got the players both, which is, you know, incredible in in the same season. But what was that like as a, from a Liverpool fan perspective, seeing both Milan clubs, seeing two City A teams that you haven't played together, haven't played in a while. What was that like and what, are your critical assessments of those teams? Like, what do they need in order to compete? My biggest disappointment at first was it didn't happen two years ago when the three of us were working in the office <laughs> together. <laughs> yes. I agree, I agree. That would have been more fun, better timing. But um, 
it made it more interesting. Like now I've got like, a friend who's a massive Milan fan, a massive in, a friend who's a massive Inter fan, without a doubt. It was, um, I was a bit disappointed in Milan. I've got to say, they, they, I know they started, they had that great moment where they went ahead at Anfield, but they were a bit too timid. I thought they'd come out, they seemed a bit timid. Mm-hmm. You know, they, it was like they, they were scared to be back in the Champions League or, or something like that. I was like, I wish they'd given it a bit more because when they did, they went ahead and they played some great football and they, that attacking train they have where they sort of like, <laughs> you know, um, they get, they, they're just formidable at it. And it was a shame that it didn't really happen in the rest of the, in the rest of the, the game, in both games. Um, Inter were better. And then because of that, I was like, I went into the next game. Well, if that's Milan and they're top, like we got nothing to fear with Inter, and then it, and Inter were really good. Like yeah. Inter, like really were like it, that was a tough round, you know, to get through. And they came and beat you at Anfield too. They beat which at Anfield, yeah, unbelievable. I mean, you know, that's the thing. It's like both of those teams, especially Milan, and this is not to count out Inter, but it's the Champions League's in that DNA. It's the same thing with Liverpool. I feel like Liverpool and Milan are sort of kindred spirits in a lot of ways because similar amount of Champions League trophies, a lot of appearances, a lot of heartbreak, but they've met in the final a couple of times. Yeah, you know, and they've met, yeah, they've met each other in the final uh twice. And you know, obviously the one where Liverpool wins yeah. in 2005. I'm look, despite the fact that we lost, I still say it's the greatest final I've ever seen, period. Without a doubt, yeah. Um, but they are there are a lot of similarities. I mean, both teams do well in the league. But we're not Juventus where we have, you know, however many league trophies that they have. And Inter does very well in the league as well. Mm-hmm. They may even do better than Milan um, in terms of how many Scudettos they have in, or Scudetti, sorry, that they have in the uh, cabinet. But, yeah, the common denominator between Liverpool and AC Milan has always been Champions League. So, you know, I ju- I do hope that we get to meet again, and hopefully we have a slightly better you, team. You're, yeah, then maybe you're in it. You you were out of it for so long. Maybe you're on a good run of being in it year after year. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, it's just that the thing I love. They were almost a mythical team when I was growing up in Milan. Like we didn't have them on. There wasn't much of it on telly, so you just see like Rud Huller and Van Basten in the shirts in magazines. You're like wow what is this exotic football that's going on somewhere else um, that we, we, you know, we only see in photographs here. Um, and that's who I, that's what I think of when I think of Milan. It's like that iconic team. I mean, if there is a team to think about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not in that, that, you know, but that's why they're, of course, of course, yeah. they're magical in my, in my head. So now actually you touched it, you opened up a whole new door before I jump into the next question, but you opened up a whole new door. What was it like seeing or maybe not seeing other European clubs growing up, or was it just strictly English football, or it, it, as you said, Celtic earlier, you know, and maybe Scottish football as well? You'd see it in like like the European. I remember my early, the earliest memory. I think I remember watching European Cup final between Mars. I think it was Marseille and Red Star Belgrade, and it just randomly putting it on. I think it was 92, that one. And going, who are these teams? Like, oh, this is your, this is the European, this is the European Cup final. These are the European teams. Wow, there's Chris Waddle playing. And um, 
And prior to that, it, it was like, it was weird. It was like playground talk. Like people would be like, oh, Rud Hullet is the best player in the world. And you'd be like, well, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> when have you watched? How do you know that? How have you ever seen him? You've just read it, you know, like, and then I guess, you know, Euros and World Cups would come along and you'd see these, you'd finally see these, these players playing. But it was almost like, like playground bravado people like some the kid that would come in and go oh yeah AC Milan are the best team in the world they've got all these players and I was like you don't know anything about them like your dad's probably told you that <laughs> you know what it sounds don't like and like you what you you somehow watch these games every week wow you know what's amazing is is that I didn't think like hipsterism if you will like Brooklyn <laughs> hipsterism uh transcended to soccer live and well in among the early, 11 the year olds in the early 90s <laughs> it had to come from somewhere so that may be it because if i feel like this is what it felt like record shopping in like some very cool <laughs> way too cool for school record store in williamsburg before gentrification and it's like you you've never heard of front 242 yeah. or you never heard of it it's like Oh, no, well, I've never heard of any of these Yeah, Papan. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, you don't know this Krautrock artist or like this, like, oh, how do you not know about, uh, you know, Japanese death metal? Because I'm not fucking <laughs> Japanese. I want to know about it. Um, yeah, it was, that's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they're kind of like a young, like hipster, that sort of hipster um, is a good sort of comparison to it. It was, you know, Maybe that's why football and music go so well together because yeah. it's the same assholes that the are fans. showing off, basically. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Fans showing off about what they know <laughs> or what they don't know and they pretend to. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, unbelievable. Yeah. It's just like I'm just having like flashbacks as to like, you know, can I get this rare REM seven inch? Well, why would you want that? It's like, because I, I like REM. Like, you know, um, anyway. But then uh, those teams did start, and then Gaza, you know, Gaza went of to... Of course, he went to Lazio. Lazio. And then they started showing Italian games on television in England. Channel 4 were like, they had this great idea. They were like, let's get Serie A. Uh, nobody else shows it. Like, everyone's after the Premier League. Let's get that, and let's show it every week. And Because Gaza went there, and they knew they'd get, they'd get the viewers in just for him. And I think um, Platt and Des Walker and a bunch of others went around the same time as him as well. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. a bunch of English players that went there for like um, for the first time in a long time. With the interesting thing about Paul Gascoigne was that I never actually knew his name was Gascoigne. I thought like you know people only referred to Maradona as Maradona. No, right. obviously it's he has a first name and you know Diego Armando Maradona, but like it's always always the last name. Pele was just one name, so I yeah. always thought as a kid, he Gaza. Yeah, I just thought like he was like Madonna Gaza. That was it. I did not actually know. That like he had a full name, <laughs> and then of course you know there's the famous what was it Euro ninety eight where he gets the water sprayed in his mouth. What's the famous 96, yeah ninety six? Okay, there's the famous yeah. goal celebration, and I remember that you know or like reading about that, and just in one of like the Italian newspapers that like my uncle would get, and just seeing that photo, and being like, oh, that's Gaza. Wait, that's his real, his, his name is not that? Like, just like being <laughs> so confused. 
um which you know again like it shows just like how these things were just so much different or how much of i was an idiot yeah. I was, but um, he's still playing in italy then in 96 no i well he might have been I, you know what it is is i always feel like he had a, like a couple mulligan years because the injuries were just piled up i think yeah. at that point he had gone back home i think he was playing it for spurs at that point um or maybe he came back i don't think he was in it by 96 he, he may have just uh, he went from Spurs to Italy. I can't remember who he came back and played for now after that. Oh, okay, right. he, at, he went to Rangers in Scotland. Oh, so maybe it was there then. I don't, if he was playing in Italy, he had just finished his year, but I yeah. don't think, I don't think he was. Um, that's right. He did play, he played for Spurs beforehand, right? Um, all right. I, you know, what a, what a character. I would love to interview him one day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's, just, not, there's no one like him, you know. You know, he's he's sort of the last of a dying breed. You know, it's it's after him, it's sort of like that era of like attitude era of football is kind of closed at that point. It, it yeah. ends with him at that it point. It changed, it changed. It, yeah. The the type of person that played changed, you know, it moved into a more athletic realm, I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah he went from being like every man, like he was an every man. Maradona was an every man. These guys weren't yeah. athletes, but they just made yeah. super, did superhuman shit. They were superstars, you know. Yeah. That's it. Um you are, as we touched on earlier, you're doing something which is which I love. And you're the father of the two of the coolest kids on the planet Earth. <laughs> and has the footballing passion that you have been brought on to them. I know you're coaching for one of them. I've moved okay. into the managerial um, stage of my career. There you go. So what's what's that like? And what's that like coaching a younger generation? And, you know, we there's a big push right now, and I, and I absolutely love it. There's a big push for women's sports, especially in women's football, yeah. to, you know, be bigger or as big as the men's league. So what's that like cultivating – young kids young girls specifically to get interested in this game and carry on with I've their careers it's, it's amazing like I'm, I'm i absolutely absolutely love it and um it's one of the best things i think i've i've ever done i don't know what they're getting out of it i know i am getting loads out of like having this team of players and playing every week and teaching them and like teaching them what to do what they need to be doing in games trying to sort of like give a like a sound like like bigger for my boots so try to put a little philosophy into the start and what they're doing at that age you know they're sort of they're seven and eight the, the players there's a lot of like cl the players clustering up and just running around after the ball there's a lot of that and trying to like have like that especially at the start of the season trying to teach them to just not do that and it's work and seeing it work is just incredibly rewarding and like seeing like what you're teaching them I understand how teachers like love their job because you see them taking the things you're telling them un under there, taking it on board and doing it in the game. And you know, like, this is this is brilliant. Like, and this season so far, um, I was joking to you before, we we had three three games now and we've won 4-0, 3-0 and 4-0. And I've been, I've been raving about this team, but I was like telling all my friends, it was like like the classic manager, it's like the clean sheets that I'm totally more more pleased with than the goals because the goals fly in at that age as well like they're scoring left right and center so to like stop the other team scoring goals i think it's like it's the real achievement it's like okay we've got it tight at the back you know i mean look frankie there might be a gig for you 
at least in Italy, you know, with, with these, with these clean sheets, uh, I know a few teams that could probably use that. Um, have, have the girls taken to watching it? Cause I remember like when my brother had played my younger brother played and he was amazing. He was an amazing soccer player. I was the amazing viewer. I was a right. terrible player. I, I sucked. I'm probably the worst soccer player to ever touch a ball. And I never even, I was so bad that I was too embarrassed to even want to play in the <laughs> leagues. But my brother was excellent. And I'm not just saying that he's my younger brother. He was phenomenal. But he only watched. He was into it. Yeah, he would watch big games. He would watch Champions League. He still does. He would, Totti was his idol. So anytime Roma was on, that was it. Watching Totti. But to follow a team and follow the leagues, like I remember as a kid, he just collected like every shirt of every great striker. Yeah. Neto jersey. He had Totti, obviously. He had, uh, I think he had Drogba. But he loved strikers. That was the position he played. But again, he didn't, he loved individual players, didn't really have a collective team. Still, you know, he, he cheers for Juve now, sucks. But, um, <laughs> you know, but it is what it is. But, you know, again, like, I found, but he was not a unique case. That would seem to be everybody on his team. Right, yeah. Is that a thing with the with the kids now? It could be. Um, my kids, they, they watch it. Like, it's like Saturday morning, Sunday morning in our house. Our routine is we get up and the football is on and they, you know, from from when they were little, from all they can remember, they probably know that is, you know, that Saturday morning is when the games go on. And so they have, they watch it and they have watched it. Like, like they know I would tell them all the names of the teams by their nicknames. So Helen and Ruth now, they know, they know the teams as the Hammers and the Gunners and the Reds and the Blues and spurs and the magpies and the saints like they they tell you oh they, they can tell you who's playing but they don't know the name of the the cities they're from most for the most part they know they I, that's me trying to make the trying to make football more fun for them when they were yeah. when they were really little you know to have these sort of names um so they really they know all the nicknames for almost all the team they know dirty leads i remember leads were playing one day and Ruth asks me, she goes, who's playing? And I was, I can't remember who they were playing. They were playing, say they were playing Newcastle. I was like, oh, well, it's the Magpies V. And I was like, oh, what are Leeds' nicknames? And I just went, Dirty Leeds. <laughs> and now, because we all call Leeds Dirty Leeds, you know. Um, and now that, that's that's who they are. Like Leeds, Leeds are playing. Ruth will go, is this Dirty Leeds playing? I'm like, yes, it is. Wow. Wow. But they watch, they watch the games and we'll go up. The whole reason I started going to see Red Bulls too, the Red Bull B team, was because it was nearby and I could take them, you know. Because mm. um, I definitely, I missed having that when I was really, really young, going to games. So it, I thought it make, that makes it fun for them to go and see the games in the flesh. All right, love the it. The rest of the team, I don't know. I don't know what, um, I, I don't think any of the other parents and families on our team are big, big, big soccer fight nuts but um but some of the, the some of the players we've got some great players on there they might might you never know they might be more like your brother they might be like just taken to the game and, and yeah not all right them. maybe better off that way <laughs> it might be yeah it might be i mean you know my brother's very low stress when it comes to this he sees me freak out and he's just like what are you doing um, have, have less weekends ruined yeah that's it yeah, that's it <laughs> <laughs> he, he certainly has more of the life than i do um which is good 
Now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from ModCup.com. ModCup, drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. We are now, I love what you're doing, Frankie Guardiola, but we're coming up to my favorite <laughs> part of the podcast, which is the three questions. Oh, I've been fretting over these. Oh, you have. All right. Well, that's that's good. That's good. Mean, means the whole plan is working. So Every question- episode I listen to, I, I, I think I've got it nailed. And then I listen to the next episode and I'm like, well, my answer's different now. Like, oh. You and me both, and I'm the one running this damn thing. So. <laughs> All righty. So question one, if you could bring back one retired player to your club, alive or dead, who would it be and why? I thought for the whole time it was going to be Robbie Fowler. I'm like, Rob, my favourite ever Liverpool player. I, he, I idolised him so much. And Your answer listened- is Mario Balotelli, obviously. <laughs> I'm not going to change it to Balotelli. <laughs> Um, and I was listening, like, every time I'm listening, I'm like, oh, yeah, hands down, Robbie Fowler, bring him back. And I probably would. But this week, when you were saying, like, we're going to do the pod, I'm like, actually, no, do you know what? I've had this other idea, and I think I would bring back Steve McManaman. Wow. Um, who was probably Liverpool's best. He was probably Liverpool's best player in the 90s when I was, like, really, when I was a teenager and really, like, geeking out over football. And he was a... I'm picking him because I think he would fit into this current Liverpool team better than any of our other players. I think he'd fit in better than Fowler because I'm like, hang on, McManaman, he wasn't a winger. He wasn't a striker. He was wide, but he would like, he, he would dribble and run around. He was quick. He was on the break. He was almost like, he, he would fit a 4-3-3 so well, like wide left on a three-man three like forward line which didn't, like, no one played 4-3-3 in the 90s. It didn't right. exist back then. So like, maybe that's why he didn't, he wasn't, like, the best player in the world, which he had the potential to be, because, like, maybe McManaman was, like, 20 years ahead of his time. And I think if you pick McManaman out from that time and put him in the team now, I think he would, like, he would thrive so well. He'd be so good. I, as much as I loved Robbie Fowler, and he was, like, my favourite ever, if I was going to, like, cards on the table, I think I'd pick McManaman. All right. I like I like that I made you sweat this week over it. Um, <laughs> but it's a great answer. And, I mean, it's a great reason, too. Um, all right. So, question number two. If you could sign one player today, and money is not an issue, you can sign one active player today, who would it be and why? I think I'd go for Jude Bellingham. I think if I'm lucky in this in in this current Liverpool team that any player I pick isn't it isn't like cloud cuckoo land that we might sign them like it's like I could maybe Messi and Ronaldo whatever but I could say Mbappe and it's not unfeasible that Liverpool could go out and sign him or Haaland Mbappe and Haaland probably I think are the best two players out there at the moment um I don't think we necessarily need much more up front and I just love the look of Bellingham coming through at Dortmund and I think he's going to be an absolute superstar. I think England have got this incredible array of talent that are coming through. And by all means, people people think he's going to be the best one. I think he's out, he's come out and said Stevie G was his hero. All right. I'd love to have another sort of midfield. I think 
a, a midfield superstar in that Liverpool team right now would, would just be perfect. And like to have him come back and become like, you know, the next England superstar, to have him on your team, I think, I think it would be phenomenal. Phenomenal. Like that. Okay. Bellingham, I'm going with, yeah. Yeah, because when you when you first pulled that out, I was like, oh wow, all right, hit me with a curveball here. All right. Okay. Um, Harland, like Harland, I think it's got to be whoever signs him is doing serious business wherever yeah. he goes next. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I don't even want to speculate, but I, I agree on that. I think he's one, and Bappe obviously is the other. Um, and and I I hope that we get to see the two of them in the same league. Yeah. Because I loved, I, I would love a good rivalry. Not like the way, oh, not the BS of like, oh, who's better, Messi or Ronaldo? But like that rivalry made both of those already brilliant, amazing, once in a generational talents. I, it was unreal. It was an unreal thing. That, level, we didn't yeah. appreciate it when it happened. And now that yeah. it's gone... You know, you miss it. So I want something like that again. Competing against each other. Yeah, yeah. And and they they already seem to be a little bit more friendly about it. But I want I want a nice little arrogant chip yeah. on the shoulder. <laughs> oh, you scored a hat trick this weekend? Guess what? I'm going for a poker. Like, yeah. I want that. And I feel like those two guys can deliver that. Um, Finally, final question. What has been your favorite moment as a fan? I'm going to have to upset you. I, it's okay. Yeah, it, it can only be the Istanbul final. It was the the greatest spectacle to watch. We were out. It had everything. It had just had everything you want to watch in a football game, unless you're a Milan fan. Unfortunately, you had to be. You had to. You had to fall on the flip side. I think just there was just magic in the. I've told talked to you about this before. I think there was just magic in the air that night. There was no way we should have been able to beat that Milan team being 3-0 down. It shouldn't have happened. And for whatever reason, it did. You know, I, I look, I still, I, despite the fact that we lost that game, I still call it the greatest final. And I said it tonight on record. And, it, you know, and, and that's for that reason. Um, and the moment I remember when that happened, I was in New York City. I was... Uh, I was working downtown. There was a bar that I would always go to and watch games, uh, yeah. especially for the World Cup. And I just, I was like, this is it. This is great. This is absolutely fantastic. Halftime, like we got it done and dusted. I, I left work. And I'm sorry, I left the bar thinking like, I don't need to watch the rest of this. Right. Oh, man. So I don't, yeah. I didn't do, it, it's just, but that's, because as you said, it's like, oh, it's Liverpool's the underdog here. There's no way they're going to come back with this. Yeah, team. it know. was pie in the sky that even before you went three 0 up that we were. Gonna, I was like hoping we were going to win, but it, it just felt like we it, something weird was going to have to happen that night. You know, and it we, did. And it did. You know, it. I, I put it down like all the superstitions. I watched every game of that Champions League run in the same bar in wow. this this bar called Jack Beers, an Irish pub in South London in Tooting. I wore that, the start of that season, I bought on eBay, early days of eBay, I bought a vintage Liverpool shirt from like 1980. Paid way too much money than I really should have done for it. Um, one of those things where I bid for it and I was like, oh, that will never win. And when it won, I was like, oh, God, I, was <laughs> that. I wasn't really hoping to win. <laughs> but I wore that shirt. It was like to, to go 
and watch every game of the Champions League run in that same bar. And that I think because of that, Liverpool won the Champions League. If it well, wasn't so for that, we never would have done it. <laughs> you're going to hear another story. By the, t- by the time this episode runs, the story will have aired. But I just had a superstition conversation about a shirt recently <laughs> with another guest. And it'll, you know, it's... Uh, I'm happy to know that I'm not alone in all of this. And that's yeah, the beauty yeah. of all of this. And I'm happy to know that like there are other people out there because previous guest also uh, had a shirt that he had to wear too. So it's it's nice to know that I'm not crazy and it's nice I to know like that those, those, ev- we're more like, yeah. The, so that final though, I want to just touch upon it now, looking back yeah. on it all these years later. And the reason why I still think it's the greatest final i've ever seen or half a final i've ever seen because i didn't finish it um you know when you watch it now maybe that's why we won because you left i left that's it (laughs) i left because i'm an asshole Uh, but but that's why you but that's why you fall in love with this game that's why you watch it you watch it for moments like these big matches where look i don't like jamie carragher but he had one of the greatest games ever in a reg jersey and I got to give him credit. Steven Gerrard, un- unbelievable. Rafa Benitez, who I, who I kind of laugh at as a manager, outsmarted Ancelotti, who I think is the greatest manager I've ever seen. He had, he had his number. Like, he had everyone's number in Europe that year. Like, I don't know how yeah. he did it. And it, this, is why, this is why you love this game. That's why you love the sport. So year, I've, I've reconciled years later. Because like, when I got the news of... Like, I don't remember how, oh, I think it was like, I left work. I left the bar at halftime, went back to work, left work thinking like, going to go over to the Adidas store across the street and go buy yeah. myself a new Milan jersey. I was all ready to buy it. Yeah. And then I just see like all these, like people just like distraught. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and then they, someone told me and I was, I lost it, completely lost it. But yeah, I mean, I, it is interesting to know, or what, so like, what did that feel though? Because obviously it's the it's the reverse. I'm at halftime thinking, like the rest of AC Milan, we got this in the bag, and you're at halftime thinking like this is the most embarrassing display my team has ever put on. Like we were, we watched it with some friends. We were like, why are we even going to stick around for this second? Like, we were the ones that would more likely to have been leaving. But it's like you know, we can't leave. We're not going to leave. We're going to we're going to watch see it through. My friend who's the Forest fan was there going, look, I'm so sorry, mate just wasn't gonna it just wasn't meant to be and then it's a blur that the 15 minutes or whatever it was where we got three goals is just a massive blur to me for what happened it was like the first one went in early in the second half I was like oh hello well you know hang on we've either a saved a bit of face or b there's time now like you know no you never know what's going to happen and then they scored two goals really quickly the I think I can't remember if it was the second one or the third one I, I, I'd gone to the toilet and I was coming back from having a wee wee and <laughs> I'm coming back just at the bar as whatever was the second or the third one. It must have been the third one. No, because that was the penalty, wasn't it? Must have been the second one. And it was like, wow, this is really on now. This is like, this is happening. Like the, the second goal went in, I kind of thought, we're going to do it then. Like, and then the moment, I, I'm gonna, if you're talking about my favourite moment in football, it, with it, it would have to be in that game isn't any of the goals it's Jersey Dudek's save on Shevchenko yeah. in injury in extra time 
like how that that stayed out he's standing up and somehow the ball hit at pace flips off his like flailing hand and yeah i mean i mean i guess goalkeepers must just always have to have their arms super rigid no matter what's going on <laughs> just in case like like they save it they must just be like built for that and i don't know how that one that's the one that i still watch the game back and i still can't believe it if I watch like the highlights of that back, I still kind of half of me is like, he's going to score. Like it, what I, I remembered it wrong. He's, he has to score. Because yeah, I know the I'm exact highlight you're talking time. about. I know because to me it's a highlight again, but I know the, that exact moment you're talking about because again, it, he that season especially that season especially that it's a goal for him. That is that is yeah. textbook Andrei Shevchenko. That is exactly what he did. He was standing and, up. He saved the shot and then Sheva's got the rebound and he's, what, six yards out. Yeah. He it on target. Dudek standing up. He's not even going to make the save. He's just getting up. Right, right. Right. right? It's not like he's stretching out to save it. He's standing up and it pings off his arm up into the sky, directly up and out for a corner. And it's like, Wow, like that's that's for me was the bit where like the the gods are at work here they really are like that that no that doesn't happen in real life all right right and they right. went to penalties and like i was i was i was convinced I, I wasn't worried at the penalties at all normally i'm watching your team pay a penalty shootout you're like oh what's gonna happen i kind of was like i was convinced i was like there's no way we don't win this penalty shootout i mean and you did and you know but again, it created the birth. It was the birth of an amazing rivalry because then two years later, you know, what yeah. happens in Athens and it's, it's, it's the revenge. And yeah. if you read, I, I will suggest, and one of the best books on football, especially modern football is Ancelotti's first autobiography, mm-hmm. ordinary genius. There are chapters just devoted to that rivalry. Right. And how he was so determined, so determined to not just win champions league, again after what happened in istanbul because he questioned leaving the sport got yeah. questioned leaving the sport andrea pirlo question hanging up almost everybody in that team with the exception i think of malini which makes perfect sense <laughs> thought about just leaving um football not just the team just football in itself but ancelotti had this bizarre determination and when he he prayed he kept saying he's like i i I just i want us to face i want to i want to beat liverpool again and when the chips aligned for the 2007 final in athens he knew like this is it this is how we i know how we're going to do it i'm going to fix all my mistakes and that for all intents and purposes i know we win that match it's the last time milan wins champions league but it's it's an exciting match but it but it will never ever top what happened two years prior? Do you know? Do you know the band Pulp have that song, bad cover version? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think that final was like a bad cover version of the other final. I, I didn't. I wasn't confident going into it. I thought I we sort of were a better team at that point, but we had a lot of players who I don't think were as good as the, some of the players. It was a mixture. You know, some players were better, but some players weren't. And I just thought, like, oh, we we've ridden our luck, and that really was our luck. I I, I think I. I just kind of had a, I knew it wasn't our time 
to win that one. I hope we did. Obviously, we were there watching yeah, it. Of course, yeah. But I went and did the same routines. I was like, it was, it was like, all right, I'm going to go back. I'm going to wear the same shirt. I'm going to go back to the same bar, even though I hadn't watched every game in the bar that season. And it was like, yeah, it was like trying to make the good times happen again, and it just it didn't happen for Liverpool that night at all. Bad cover. That's a that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I it, you know it's I remember being at work. And just had it, having it on the television at that point. And I, I, when the moment uh, Inzaghi scored the second goal, I, I watched that happen live and going like, don't screw this up. I, just, I, I couldn't get myself that excited for it. I was so excited that he scored because I love him. But I was just going, okay, okay, take a breath. You can... You know what's going to happen next. Liverpool's going to find a way. They're going to retaliate. Gerard's going to just scream at everybody in the locker room or whatever the case may be. But that second goal happens in the second half. And I'm like, wow, there's no no chance for a speech now. But I still, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Don't count your chickens. We got one in the end, didn't we? We got one really. It it was almost, it was just, it was way too late. It was like 94th. And it was like, we didn't deserve even that goal. (laughs) But like it was like there's no like we're not getting another one here. That was it, unfortunately. Ah, uh, I hope it happens again. I I hope we meet in the final again, and just some just make make this give give everybody a reason to show like, what another, the Champions League is generation about. to have that AC Milan Liverpool Liverpool match. Absolutely. Uh, Frankie, thank you so much, man. This has been so much fun walking down memory lane. This has been so much fun learning about the other teams. And of course, congratulations on being Frankie Guardiola with the clean sheet <laughs> and teaching the new generation. Klopp. I'm, I'm Klopp. I, I tell you what, my, my philosophy is Klopp. I can't, especially like now, I can't like possibly show any allegiances to, to City's Guardiola. Right, of course. I'm sorry. <laughs> Frankie Klopp. Frankie Klopp. Right. It's just such a weird last name to say. It is. Yeah, it doesn't really <laughs> Frankie Guardiola probably works a bit better, actually. Yeah, I'll take either. I'll take either. <laughs> Thank you so much. Right, thanks for having me. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.